about a month back, uh, I was reading the Gospel of Matthew again. And uh, when I was reading this, this portion, I thought uh, there was something about it, which there's something deeper, which I had missed personally, um, which Jesus was trying to say. And uh, what stuck out to me was, just to give, give us a context for those of us who do not know or you know, haven't read this gospel before or you know uh, we do not remember this, it's the, the person that they're talking about, you know, they wanted to entangle him in verse 15 as Jesus. And they being the Pharisees who were the law, you know, the teachers and the, uh, the people who were held in high esteem at that point in time when, when Jesus was born in the country of Israel. And uh, at that point in time, they had the um, Romans rule over the uh, Jewish community or, or the country of Israel at that point in time. They were oppressed by them. They were oppressed not only uh, physically, but they were also oppressed in their worship. They were oppressed in, in the taxes that they had to pay. There were various taxes levied on uh, on the Jews by the uh, by the Romans. And if you read the background of what happened earlier, or what Jesus said earlier about the parable of the wedding feast and even earlier in chapter 21, Jesus is, is speaking out against the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. And now the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the teachers of the, of the Torah at that point in time, they wanted to take revenge. So they come back to Jesus asking him a trick question. And they start off with a lot of flattery. Teacher, we know that you're true and teach the way of God, truthful. You do not care about anyone's opinion. And that is something that obviously Jesus reads through. He starts with saying, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Because he knew where they were coming from. If he had to say, yes, pay taxes, they would have been like, you know, um, he's siding with the Romans. And if he had to say, no, don't pay taxes, he would have been in trouble with the Roman government. And I love Jesus's answer here. And I think there's so much so, so many aspects we can go into here, but I just want to choose, I just, I just want to go into one aspect over here that God spoke to me and I felt we should discuss this as a church. He says, he asked them to get a coin, a denarius and says, whose likeness and inscription, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said Caesar's. So he says, therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Whose likeness and inscription is this? Something, something struck me about that statement when I read it. Because there was a dual aspect Jesus wanted us to look at. The coin had Jesus's inscription, or had uh, Caesar's inscription, I'm sorry. But when he was saying, give to Caesar was due to Caesar and give to God was due to God. I understood the aspect about giving to Caesar taxes because the Bible clearly says that in, in matters of, of the constitution, in matters of the law of the land, we are supposed to be submissive to the government. So that aspect is clear. But the other aspect which I felt intrigued about was where he says, give to God the things that are God's. And my question was likeness and inscription and giving to God. What is God's? Now, what is God's? Everything is God's. 
right? We belong to God. The world belongs to God. Everything's been created by him. But I believe there's something very specific that Jesus is pointing and hinting at here because he is, he was, when he was on earth, he, he came down as man, but he was God, but he was super smart and intelligent. And he knew his audience and knew what he was saying. Whose likeness and inscription is this? If with that thought, we just turn to Genesis chapter one, go back to the beginning, Genesis chapter one, verse 26. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And that's amazing. I mean, with one statement, Jesus spoke something which was so deep. So what essentially he was saying is, render to the government what belongs to the government, but you render to God what belongs to God, what is made in the image of God. And what is made in the image of God? It's you and I. And he was pointing to the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, saying you want to give everything outwardly, but an inward change of the heart which God desires you do not want to give. Therefore, you have not rendered yourself to God. That was the other side of the coin. The other aspect. And if you read Genesis 1.26, it says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish in the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This was the sixth day. And God says that the creation on the sixth day was very good. So if we've been created in the image of God. I want us to think, what does that really mean? The other thing that I want us to kind of think about is what does the word rendered mean? The word rendered means to give back. Or simply in this context, it means to give. So I think there are two questions that we need to kind of tackle here. What does it mean that we are created in the image of God? And what does it mean that we have to give ourselves, render ourselves, submit ourselves, synonyms to God? What does it mean, essentially? When we look at the Bible, Paul says that Lord is spirit. Jesus himself said in John 4.20, For God is spirit and those who worship him shall worship him in, in, in spirit and truth. So what we understand from here is God is not something which can be grasped in a two-dimensional out, out, outlook, in a two-dimensional aspect, the way we look at things, the way we perceive human beings. He is beyond all of that. He is spirit. And if he is spirit and if we have been created in his image and likeness, what does that essentially mean for us? If we are created in his likeness and image, it means that we are more than physical beings. We possess aspects like personality. We possess aspects like morality. Yes, we do. But we also possess a very important aspect that we often ignore as human beings is spirituality. We are not only physical human or physical beings, but we are also spiritual beings. And in our spirit, through our spirit, we can commune with God on the level of the spirit. So that was the essence of what Jesus was saying. <clears throat> if you go back and if we just uh, 
start reading the Bible from the book of Genesis and we see the beautiful creation of God in six days and the seventh day he rested, he created everything good. He blessed uh, his creation in man and woman when he created, he created the animals, he blessed them. It was a perfect creation, but something went wrong. Something must have gone wrong for Jesus to say this. By the time we get to the sixth chapter of the book of Genesis, we see that sin and corruption had increased so much in the world that God said in Genesis 6.3, my spirit shall not abide in man forever. So we started off with God creating us in his own image. <clears throat> in the image and likeness of him, we were created. Years hence, after the fall, after our own sin and corruption had corroded us, corroded the world around us, God said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever. So where does that leave us? That leaves us with vessels without the essence of having this vessel, without having the spirit of God in us. This is when we see a broken image of man due to our own sins and our own brokenness. I want to think about this a bit because this is extremely important and I'm sure, you know, we've thought about it in pockets, but I want us to look at it from the aspect of if we talk about giving back to God, if we talk about worshiping God, if we talk about serving him, God is spirit. Essentially, we cannot do it if his spirit doesn't abide in us. So worship, service, submission is a matter of the spirit. And that's what went missing when we look at Genesis 6. The word render, as we discuss, is to give or to give back. So then now we're left with the problem of if we do not have the spirit, then of course we cannot render back to God what belongs to God, that is us. What is the solution? The only solution is to live a sinless life to live a pure and holy life, to live a perfect life, which my friends, I can assure you, I have tried and we cannot do it. We cannot do it in our own capacity and strength. It is not humanly possible. It's like we ask of a computer to function without its motherboard. It's not possible, right? What then is the solution? I think the step, the first step that, you know, kind of helps us to get back to it is when Jesus came on earth as man and he abided with us. If you read the gospels, if you read the book of Matthew, for instance, after his wilderness experience, he started his ministry and his first word after he started his ministry was the word repent. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4.17. What is repentance? I think we make a lot of this word. It's simply change of mind. It's simply change of mind. We know that we are broken. We know that we are not. Something is not right. And we cannot get it right unless God intervenes. He himself can. We cannot do it in our own strength. So we know we have to turn away from this life. 
so we repent we make a conscious effort to change the ways to change our heart to change our thoughts because the bible tells us that the heart is deceitful above all i'm sure we've heard follow your heart i have tried it my advice do not follow your heart follow god because when his spirit leads you when your heart is right with him when our heart is right with him we know we are on the right path coming back to repentance repentance or, or the aspect of thinking that i do not want to do this i want to be new i want to change from my own ways is not only a one time act so for those of us who haven't gotten to that point let us let us start now and for those of us who have gotten to that point of repentance of knowing that there is something wrong we must understand that it's not only a one time act it's a daily act of submission to christ daily act of submission to god jesus came on earth he was here with us he did many signs he did many wonders many miracles he even raised people from the dead we know the story of lazarus but what broke us from the image of god was sin and corruption like i said so the main work of jesus the son of god to come on earth was to pay for our sins so that we could lead a sinless life and be restored to the original image and likeness that we were created in and and i accept i submit there can be many reasons and points at which god meets each one of us it could be in our pain it could be in our suffering physical suffering mental suffering depression i have been there too that's where god found me needs financial needs we are broken we are broke we without jobs we without hope god cares about that yes he does he does and that is amazing when he reaches out to us and pulls us out of those problems but if we just leave it there if we just let him be a god of miracles signs and wonders then we are missing out on the whole picture my friends unless we accept him as the lord and savior of our lives who came to earth to save us from our sins then we are missing out on the real purpose and the real purpose of the cross there's one saying i heard uh, last year it, it it was difficult for me to digest but it changed my perspective i'm going to share this this the saying was sickness poverty trials and tribulations will not take us to hell sickness poverty trials and tribulations will not take us to hell whether we want to believe it or not only our sins will take us to hell because all those other things are restricted to the earth but the rest of the things the sin and corruption is eternal and that's what mars our soul that's what prohibits us and inhibits us from entering into a full relationship with god but god was gracious he provided his son the answer the solution is in his son is in jesus for those of us who have received his grace in jesus received god's grace in his son jesus christ for what he did on the cross he lived a perfect and holy life he died for us on the cross his innocent blood was shed for us on the cross and through that we received grace we receive forgiveness and we've been restored 
for those of who have for those of us who have received that grace and forgiveness let us thank god and let us continue to walk in that freedom for paul says in galatians 5:1 for freedom christ has set us free stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery grace is this that we have till the last moment of our lives to turn back to him grace is not something which we take and misuse that cannot be it if 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 that is the posture of my heart if that is the posture of our heart then we haven't truly understood what that man what god went through for us on that cross we do not understand the impact of that and for those of us who have not yet received that i would ask you guys to think about it now it doesn't matter whether you are a christian you're a non christian whether you're from the east west north south you're from india you're not from india you have a different culture it doesn't matter god transcends all these boundaries he loves you and me he's a creator of each and every one of us he cares so much for us that he gave his son to die for us that is the solution he reaches to us at a physical level in which we can understand but he pushes us and you sees us through to our salvation which is our true issue which is our true problem which has always been the true problem of mankind it has never been sickness poverty or trials the biggest and the most pertinent problem of mankind has been the fall and has been their sins has been our sins all of us the only solution is christ it's not our own righteousness it's not my own charity it's not my own good deeds Jesus says that render to God what belongs to God and we were created in the image of God God is spirit Jesus came to die for us we repent we accept him but my question remains can we still submit to God because the original problem of brokenness and being without spirit still remains how then can we render ourselves to God we know what created in the image of God means now we know what happened we know how that broke we know the solution god provided in christ but then how can we render ourselves to the spiritual if we do not have the spirit abiding in us jesus provided the answer when he was on earth if you look at the gospel of john john chapter 3 verses 3 to 5 it says Jesus answered him Truly truly I say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God Nicodemus said to him How can a man be born when he is old can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born I would have had the same question I I honestly would have had the same question I can sit here and say oh man you know like this guy he is a ruler of the jews and he asked this well i certainly would have had the same question without the benefit of hindsight that we have now but let's read on and see what jesus says jesus answered truly truly i say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of god i'm sure we've read this so many times nicodemus was a ruler of the jews he was the head he was the principal of the teachers he was the head teacher he was the master 
all the other Pharisees would probably would have revered him, would have looked up to him for his knowledge of the law, knowledge of who God is. But he came to Jesus by night. He came to Jesus by night, not in the daylight. Question to us, do we go to Jesus only when things are dark in our lives? Or do we go to Christ even when things are looking up? Because seasons and times in our lives keep changing, but Christ remains always the same. God remains always the same. He cares for us. He loves us. He wants to meet us where we are. Coming back to this, he says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be born again? Jesus says, unless one is born of water and of the spirit. I'll be a little controversial here and I say something. As a church, not zealous, as a church, ever since the word church came into play, we can read in the book of Acts. <clears throat> in the history of the church, I think we've looked at this verse and we've taken it in a completely different aspect and we've thought about water baptism, which is the outward sign of an inward change. It is a celebration. It is one of the biggest days of a person's life when he or she accepts Christ. It certainly was for me. I certainly felt born again. But that water, that tub, or wherever we get baptized, without an internal change is nothing but like having a bath. It's like just getting into your bathtubs and taking a dip. It's as good as that. It removes the dirt from your body. That's what Peter says in his epistle. That is not the true essence of baptism, just dipping yourself in water. That is an external sign of an internal change that God brings about in our lives, which is when we want to proclaim and tell the world that I am now a follower. I have now been reconciled. I have new life. But Jesus speaks about two aspects here. We must speak. We must kind of look at them, water and the spirit. And he speaks about being born again. Let us, let us kind of look at this aspect of what does it mean to be born again? If you look at water, if you look, if you read the Bible, if you read the scriptures, Jesus said, I will give you the water of life. He is referred to as a water of life many a times, Christ himself. But when we look and when we read Ephesians 5, verse 25 and 26, I think this is something that might just give us a perspective. Paul writes here, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. We are the church. Each one of us, we are the church. He gave himself up for us that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So in essence, Paul is likening water to the word of God. And John writes, in his <clears throat> gospel, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. The word was with God and the word was God. So in essence, Jesus himself is the word and the words that he's spoken, the scripture that we have today, the revealed word of God is the water. That is the water. How often do we partake of water? How many liters of water do we drink daily? 
two, three, four. On an average, depending on activity levels, a person would drink typically between two and a half to four and a half liters of water, depending on various aspects, where you are based, how humid it is, etc. What if I tell you I drink water only on Sundays? Would I be alive past a couple of weeks? Probably not. But my question to each and every one, one of us is, and including me, trust me, including me, how often do we drink of this water? How often do we go to the well, go deep, go to Jesus, go to Christ, drink of his word and get refreshed? How often do we do that? I believe that is the water that Christ is talking about. It is not, the external comes later. Once we know we have Christ in our lives, we have been baptized in his word. We have been baptized in him. Like Christ took baptism for us, the baptism on the cross, the baptism of death and resurrection. If we can truly say we have been baptized into our sins and we've come out a new creation, we've been baptized into Christ and come out a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We can truly say that. That is when we know we've been baptized in the true essence. I want to challenge each and every one of us today. Whether we've been baptized as children, whether we've been baptized as adults, whether we've not been baptized, no matter what your situation, it doesn't matter. I'm sure each one of us did it out of a good conscience and the right intent. And that is fantastic. You've proclaimed your faith to God publicly, which is very difficult in today's day and age. But I want to take us one step ahead, one step ahead for the true baptism, the baptism of water of God, which is the word of God. Baptize yourself daily, immerse yourself daily in his water, immerse yourself daily in his word, immerse yourself daily in his presence. Then if you look at 1 Peter 1.23, we see Peter writes here, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So see, we, we see it here again. Born again of what? The word of God. The word of God has power. It truly does. But can we just, I can be a, I can be a great student. I can read this book over and over and over again and know it like the back of my hand. But if I don't do what it says, it really does not cut the deal. It really doesn't make that difference. James says, be not hearers of the word, but be doers. For the one who is just a hearer is like a man who looks at himself in the mirror, walks by and forget what he looks like. We don't want to be those people. But how then can we truly take the scripture, whatever God speaks to us in our day-to-day -day walk, how can we then take that and obey it? How, how can we be obedient? Can we do it in our own strength? I believe not. Because this is not just a book. This book has power but it has only power when the Holy Spirit helps us to obey. And the Holy Spirit shows us that power in and through us. If we read the book of Romans, 
through chapter 6 to 8 paul keeps talking about how without the spirit he does the things that he does not want to do and does not do the things that he wants to do he is always in this conundrum where he is not able to kind of abide and he is not able to kind of obey the word of god and i've been there and i'm sure all of us have but he says when the spirit is in you then we walk by the spirit and not by the flesh the game changer is the spirit of god we read in 1 john 5:8 speaks about the blood of christ the water and the spirit i believe when we accept that we are broken we are we are lost and we need that redemption in our lives and we know that it is christ and only christ who has provided for that because the book of acts tells us that there is no other name under heaven through whom which we should be saved no one else so if it's only him and we know that he died for us and is he gave his innocent blood for us his pure blood for us it is his blood that cleanses us his blood that purifies us then when we accept the word the word of god we accept the word and we know where while we read it we know it is for me and it enters our heart it cleanses us it cleanses us of our sins it cleanses us of our bondage it cleanses us of our shackles it helps us to really break free it helps us to truly say that i'm no longer a slave to sin i'm no longer a slave to fear i am a child of god but that cannot be done without the spirit when the spirit comes to dwell us when we accepted christ as a personal lord and savior when his blood has purified us his word has cleansed us and his spirit abides in us and we start obeying his words that is when you and i are truly born again that is when you and i are made new are restored to the image that we were originally created in Second Corinthians five verse seventeen says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away; behold, the new has come." So it's like a new creations. It's 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 similar. It's similar to what Jesus said: "Born again, new creation, born of the imperishable seed." Paul says we are washed of the water the water is a cleansing instrument which is the word of god that i believe is the formula the word of god doesn't change who god is doesn't change our problems might look new our challenges might change every day but god is the same yesterday today and forever we've heard that but the question that i want to ask each and every one of us is have we experienced it if we have not it's never too late which point in your walk you are in each one of you individually whoever is listening like i said it doesn't matter what tradition what culture what religion what geography you come from if you know you need him if you know you need a redeemer if you know you need a savior christ is the savior accept him accept his death on the cross and his resurrection his blood will purify you 
and his word dive into his word if you are one who's accepted christ as your personal savior but you have not taken water baptism when i say water baptism i mean baptism into the word of god baptism into the presence of god the word in itself is just a textbook the, the bible in itself can just be a textbook if it is read like a if it is read like a text if it is read like a curriculum but when the spirit of god we invite the spirit of god to come into our life after we've accepted christ these words become alive i can assure you and i can guarantee you these words become alive hebrews says hebrews 4:12 i believe is the word of god is alive and active sharper than a two edged sword it truly is and the spirit helps us the spirit helps us so once you've gone through that born again experience once we've been born again in christ once we've started to find our truth in him once we started to obey his word and we know the spirit is leading us the spirit of god is leading us it's not going to be easy it is not easy it is always a wrestling it was always a wrestle it's always a there's always a tug because our flesh wants something else our spirit wants something else but that is when we are truly born again we are we are made new paul writes in romans the creation awaits in eager longing for the for the revealing of the sons of god sons and daughters of god are you and i sitting here today this evening can we say that we are sons and daughters of god have we been born again because only once we know this only once we are restored back to the original image original image and likeness that we were created in genesis 126 then is it then we can truly submit ourselves to god and that is what i believe jesus meant when he said give to caesar what is due to caesar and to god the things that are god's when they heard it they marveled and they left him and went away i'm sorry this has been a little heavy but uh, this is something i was really impressed on my heart to speak about and even as i'm speaking to you i know god is speaking to me as well so we are in, it, in we are in it together as much as i have been preparing to preach this word i have been convicted so much myself as well so i i want to invite each and every one of us it doesn't matter where we are in our walk with god and which stage we are at we can only truly be made whole if we recognize that we are broken if we recognize that christ died for us and his blood purifies us and his word is is water of life i must drink of that well every day and i'll never be thirsty that's what jesus said drink of this water and you'll never be thirsty he told the samaritan woman drink of that well and you'll never be thirsty and jesus promised us he said that once i go i will give you the helper just like me who will be just like me he was talking about the spirit and his spirit abides in us and empowers us strengthens us to not only be hearers of the word but be doers of the word 
and therefore we are able to commune with god at a whole new different level paul says um, in one of his epistles do not be drunk in drunk on wine but be but be filled with the spirit i think this this comparison is is, is interesting is do not be drunk with wine i'm paraphrasing it do not be drunk with wine but be filled with the spirit i can truly tell you that there is no high that this world can give you that can compare to the high and permanent high of being united to god and being filled with his spirit that is what i i kind of want to invite each and every one of us to do to invite him into your life to recognize that he is the one and true savior and that all the answers that we ever looking for are in his word he speaks to us through his word and he empowers us through his spirit so that we can be born again and we can give back to him we can give back to him who we are because we've been created in his image and god is not a debtor when we say we are giving back to him when we render ourselves to him that is the best decision of your life you will take best this is going to influence not only your eternal life which is guaranteed the salvation which is guaranteed in christ but also our life here on earth it's going to be a taste of heaven i can assure you and i can promise you because that is what the word of god says and i know heaven and earth will pass away but the word of god will never pass away that's what christ said and i believe that with all my heart and i'm sure we all do his words never lie so accept him welcome him into your heart start your baptism process drink of the water every day don't wait for a sunday don't wait for twice a week drink of the water every day the more we drink the more we'll be filled the more we'll feel rejuvenated we'll have the strength and courage to fight our daily battles our problems our trials no matter where we are work professional personal spiritual everything has a spiritual aspect paul said my battle is not against flesh and blood but it is against the powers and principalities of darkness in the heavenly realms everything that manifests in our life physically in terms of what we can see has a spiritual aspect if you are covered by the blood of christ if you are filled with his spirit and we are empowered with his word then we truly have the armor of god on us and nothing can harm us and that is when we can truly prosper i cannot guarantee you or assure you that you'll have mercedes or you'll have crores of rupees if god wills that for you you will but what i can assure you you'll have blessings like jesus says store up for yourself blessings in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy those blessings i can assure you and i can guarantee you will give you peace and joy which surpasses all understanding so i'm going to stop preaching now and uh, i just want us to think about this and if you have any questions if any one of you have not accepted christ if you do not know how to get started with this journey reach out to any one of us from the zelestin pipin benji myself mamta there are so many of us over here many of us aren't but there are many many more who are here reach out to us and we can show you the path but is ultimately you who have to take it it is not going to be easy but it is going to be worth it cliche statement but very true in this case 
We're so glad you've been listening in. If you'd like to know more about us, follow us on Insta at Zealous Pune or visit us online at zealous.community.